I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter and Instagram, where I use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And soon to be TikTok. Can I direct to the fifth element while I highlight the fifth element of hip hop, which knowledge? I'm passing at the bar with Grandma Yay. I'm just a flag little chick from around the way. She's so good, niggas pay for the pussy. Tell these niggas they ain't playing with no rookie. Fucking right. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot you could have gone with. There's a lot of classic. Oh, tons. In there, man. Tons. 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 That's just a personal favorite. But, um, yeah, tons. Hi, Ben. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And what have you been listening to the, since, I don't know, since Christmas? <laughs> oh, yeah. It has been a while. We haven't done a new music roundup. I, to be honest, I'm just going to do the ones that drop this week because, like, I don't I know. I was half joking. Just keep it for the week. <laughs> We'll keep it. We'll keep it. Yeah, keep it. Keep it relevant. Uh, young boy, young boy dropped a new project it's called "I Rest My Case." I wouldn't mind if we got another forty Death minutes. Taxes and young boy. Um, yeah, I mean, I've got an, I've got a whole video on young boy coming soon, and uh, I went through and I found fifty artists that young boy has released more music in the last twelve months than they have in their entire career, and on that list are artists like a tribe called Quest and Sade, and Outkast, and Tyler the Creator. Like, that's that's wild. And look, I would not mind if we got more music like Black or Swag on Point, which I think were very inventive beats of this album. Genuine throwbacks to, like, the mid-2010s. I think Red is a banger. Um, Bitch Yeah is a banger. But then we get to the seventh track, and he just introduces, introduces sorry, these horrible generic pop rap guitar Oh, this is the pop rack section of the, the album and just meanders its way through a tired trope of these guitar-based beats, uh, which is completely flooding the market in general in mainstream hip-hop at the moment, and I don't think Youngboy needs to do that. You know, I thought that this album was quite experimental in places for him, you know? He tried a few different sounds that he hasn't tried recently, and the other 30% was entirely unnecessary and I feel like that's very indicative of every Youngboy album. There's 70% of music which you could listen to and be like, yeah, this is good. I'm glad he put this out. And that other 30% is pointless. And so, again, it's not a bad album. Like, he's not... I don't think he's flooding the market in some crazy way. If you don't want to listen to it, you don't have to. Like, just don't don't switch onto it. But I think he just needs a little bit more quality control. And it's not even that he shouldn't be putting these albums out. It's just... Maybe just cut them a little bit. Maybe it only needed to be 25 minutes, this one. Maybe mash this one with the last one. Good 25 from that, good 25 from this. But that's obviously not his goal. Uh, Dusty Locaine dropped minus 95 degrees. Uh, It's pretty ironic. I just ranted about guitar bass instrumentals because there's a couple on here and it's only seven tracks and they're poor. They're really poor. Like It's just not where it's at. But... Songs like Game and Searching more than make up for it. You know, I think Dusty Lacane sounds like he's one of the most menacing rappers in the game right now. One of the most menacing rappers in the entire world. His voice, 
like he exudes violence. It's it's very intense experience listening to him. And when he hits that right cadence, and gets into the right flow and the right beat, it's just like nothing else in the world. It's, it's freaking fire. So I actually enjoyed this project quite a lot, except for a couple of tracks on there. Uh, Real Boston Richie dropped Public Housing Part 2. Um, this is, I think this is a deluxe uh, because it's got like, you know, the ones below it have far more plays. I don't know why. Maybe I already talked about it last year when it came out, the, the original. But it's just bangers on this. Straight up bangers, man. I think the extra tracks, they've added no big name features. It's just Future and Lil Durk on the album from the album that was released prior. There's no more big name features on here, but I think the beats on here are just powerful. Like Ling Ling is a great freaking beat. That might be the best track on the whole album. And Boston Richie clearly a fan of sex because that makes up an appreciable portion of his content which has been a bit annoying because i've been listening to three six mafia all week as well so i've kind of been bombarded and flooded with it but yeah it's pretty pretty good pretty good apart from that you know there's a little bit too much of that but aside from that he is very very evocative he's very has a lot of personality on these on these beats not he's not just getting up there and mumbling away I've really enjoyed it. I've listened to it multiple times. Uh, e Mozzie dropped Middle East. Uh, e Mozzie is Mozzie's brother. Uh, it sounds very similar, but he's not a carbon copy of his brother. And Middle East is f- full of like warm West Coast production and catchy hooks. I think it's definitely one of E Mozzie's strongest suits when he gets into that bag, like the G Funk. Um, you know, the baby Baby Drake is a lot of G Funk on that track, for example. But he goes in a lot of different directions here. Uh, there's a bit of Detroit influence on a track like Frontline, which I thought was great. It's a very diverse and adept project. And e is, I think, the, the best uh, aspect of his artistry is like there's a lot of truth-telling on here, a lot of emotion, a lot of evocative storytelling. Uh, yeah, man, powerful one-liners. <clears throat> it's a really good project. So shout out that. I, I've been listening to it when I run, and it's really getting me through my cardio. Uh, then we got French Montana, DJ Drama. He dropped Coke Boy 6. It's pretty freaking good. Like, what, once you get past the songs where French inexplicably tries to sing, I don't know. <laughs> he just he just ruins things. Like, why are you trying to sing? But the mix of sound, I think, works beautifully. He starts off with a Stove God feature, and they go back and forth, French and Stove God, and it's great. Um, it's a real soul sample throwback, too. French is lyrically dexterous and intense. He, he raps, why are they worrying about the drugs? The stress is killing us faster. And there's like these little one-liners every now and then in this, this album from French. It's like really makes you sit and pause and think. Then we get some gospel on the oath, which uh, is a beautiful song features, featuring the late Ching Struggs, of course. Um, then we get that weird Rocky collab. That was a weird one. That kind of felt like a Wyclef track. I feel like Wyclef would be amazing on that. And that transitioned us into the French Montana portion of the album, which is very poor. He dominates through some horrid, horrid auto-tune and lack of self-awareness. He actually references Unforgettable on this album and, and kind of acts like it was him and not Sway Lee that pushed that to diamond status. Like, he just thinks... He has an overinflated sense of self-worth, French. He thinks that he's more important and more, like... He has more ability than he really does. There's no self-awareness on this tape. Then we get, like, Not So Bad, where French on Not So Bad... French Montana, and again, this is the problem with French, okay? That Harry Fraud tape he did last year was Mon- Montego was amazing. It was really, really good. He didn't try and do anything stupid on that tape. He kept it in his wheelhouse, which are those gritty beats, gritty beats, gritty storytelling. 
on this track, Not So Bad, he sings Dido's part from Thank You. <laughs> he sings it. The same part from Stan that, like, Eminem said. He sings it. Why is he singing it? Why? Oh, I'm listening God. to it. I'm like, what are you doing? What? And that's the problem with this, this tape. It's a great tape if French Montana had some self-awareness. If he just take a step back, stuck uh-huh. to the Benny tracks, stuck to the Rocky tracks, stuck to the Stove God tracks, just popped in every... Kind of like West Side Gun. Very similar to West Side Gun. West, um, they're different artists. West Side Gun is way better than French Montana. I know Charlie's head's exploding. He's like, how are we talking about all these shitty oh, artists? just ticking all the boxes for me, bro. <clears throat> but but West Side Gun understands. He's a very unique voice, and he doesn't overplay his hand. He takes a step back, and he lets other people... French Montana has none of that. He thinks he's the star of this show. He's not. I'm sorry, French. You are not the star of any album or any song that you've ever put out. I'm, I'm really sorry to say that. But if you just realize that, take a step back, then, you know, anyway. It is what it is. Uh, I listened to a couple more. Icy Twat. Icy Twat <laughs> dropped an album. Uh, I just think the name is, is pretty wild. It's good wild. to know you say, say it like that and not twat. Twat. Well, I am Australian, so I could be saying it wrong. I, I know, apologize. That's how Americans say it. It puts me off. It's twat. Icy Twat. Icy Twat. Twat. Interesting project, uh, not my favorite of the week, um, but yeah, you know, it, it is what it is. This is kind of, I guess, this is this is cool now. This is what people are listening to now, and uh, <laughs> it just it wasn't wasn't exactly for me. Uh, who else dropped? Miss Cam, Miss Cam. I didn't, I've never heard Miss Cam before, but uh, shout out to Crown, who do the underground list every week. They sent that to me. Um, great project, great little like five tracks. Very like solid energy. She's a very powerful MC. Definitely, uh, definitely enjoyed that. Um, Joey Trap dropped a project. It's not great. Uh, there's a lot of reverb, a lot of just heavy industrial strength beats, and him just not really flowing on top of them. So that was a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, and West Side Web dropped, and that was just a straight up West Coast G Funk throwback, and it was freaking amazing. And yeah, it's it's a really good project. So yeah, that was me, Charlie. What about yourself? Well, not to spoil a lighter note, but um, I wish better for you, Ben. Like, stop putting yourself through French music, okay? Just stop. It's, it's a new year. Come on, scale. Get new up, year, get new you. Stop listen listening to, to French Montana, <laughs> bro. Nothing's dropping. Uh, he, if, he had a if, captive if, market. <laughs> if we didn't have a, if we didn't have like specific um, uh, reasons to do an episode, just if we were, if we were one of those podcasts, it's just like literally just narrow chain shit. That would literally be the title. New year, new me. Stop listening to French. <laughs> <laughs> and DJ Carl. <laughs> uh, great. Wonderful. Um, send me the home girl, by the way. Send, send me your name. Um, I Miss Cam. As well. right. um, but yeah, I listened to just, just a couple um, from, uh, well, one recent and one from uh, last year that, uh, that somehow just got past me. Uh, Nejman Nefertiti, uh, letters from the Akashik. Um, she just keeps coming through these nice, tight, twenty-ish minutes storylines with just some really good beats and some really good just uh, imagery. Um, but yeah, man, she's gonna at some point she's just gonna drop something that will just take me by the neck and it's like, okay, okay, I'll put you on the, I'll put you on some sort of list, EP list, album list is gonna happen someday. She's just, she's just always like, she's always like, boom, boom, scratching the surface for me personally. Like she's always banging some good stuff. 
Um, I put several of her EPs from last year on my honourable mentions last, uh, for the EP list. And um, but yeah, she's she's so close. She's so close. Like stuff stuff like this just always excites me. Um, with just the outstanding lyricism, uh, solid beats, and uh, just fun storytelling as well. And uh, yeah, just great imagery, like I said. So yeah, uh, shout out to Nedrin Nefertiti. Uh, and lastly, Eva Lazarus, uh, Brandy Kisses. So um, yeah, she does. She got a. Um, she had this uh, project, and uh, I think it was like June. 22 and uh i don't know just i don't know how it got past me but it got past me and um yeah just listen to it was really really interesting it's uh <laughs> it's it's funny how and this is gonna this, i'm gonna have this um kind of like this is gonna be a theme for me personally as we go through the episode but um the more we do these episodes <clears throat> and the more we listen to artists that um we are aware of but just never spun properly or etc or just have never spun in general right um like this episode for example um when it comes to when it comes down to the when it comes down to listening to new people you start thinking huh that just reminds me of this even lazarus comes through with this album and it's so so just it just big Estelle vibes, big Estelle vibes constantly. Like it has this mixture of like hip hop, R and B. She's rapping, she's singing. Um, she has a Dirty Dyke production on here, which um caters for most of the hip hop uh, elements. Um, but yeah, she she just comes through with um a little bit of everything here, and uh, it's really really fun to listen to, and uh, and still just uh comes off real fresh. Um, so yeah, shout out to Eve Lazarus on that project, and um, yeah, uh, more 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 music music stuff for me personally on the line note. But we shall hop into our first first uh, topic of the new year, um, which is a solemn one and uh, one that we uh, I guess is one of those compelling uh, cases where if we didn't do it when she passed, then we probably would have never done it, right? Um, so we were done gangster boo at some point for sure. Would we? Yeah, in a, in I a... mean, yeah, during the, I mean, this is the case, right? We usually do females during Women's History Month because yeah. there are so, you know, compared to the pool of men that we can uh, pick out from, there's you know not many women. So if we, but um, you know, in this case, it's a breaking of the rule, and I feel like it's a worthy reason to do so. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, we're celebrating, I guess, in some ways, the work of uh, the work of Gangsta Boo, um, Lady Boo, Queen of Memphis. Uh, Going to celebrate her work with this episode. Um, obviously, she passed uh, on New Year's Day, um, and um, yeah, it kind of uh, came really quickly in terms of just us deciding upon that. Um, you know, obviously, we always have things in mind to do, um, but we kind of uh, keep it pretty loose. And, um, yeah, it just seemed like a no-brainer, I guess, in this case, to do it now and not like, you know, if we were going to do it, wait till February or whatever, bun that. So, might as well just get it, uh, get it sorted and, uh, you know, just keep it timely um, So and celebrate our work. Um, but, yeah, like I said during the music roundup in some ways, um, you know, I've never spun Gangsta Boo. I've barely spun any Memphis hip-hop, and I'll say that honestly. Um like I'm aware of Three Six Mafia. I haven't spun much Three Six Mafia, right? Um, I've spun, you know, certain Southern acts, but not as many as I feel like I should have at this point. Um, but you know, we'll 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 get to them. We'll, we'll hopefully get to them when we can, right? 
Um, hopefully, you know, they don't have to die for us to do so. Because <laughs> just that framing that I just gave you is a bit uh, questionable, right? Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a weird thing. But Ben was talking to me about just like when, and this is nothing to do with Gangsta in general, but it's kind of like the overall Southern hip-hop scene and just the history of it. I feel like uh, it's not as documented as obviously like, you know, maybe West Coast, definitely not, you know, New York history, right? Um, it's kind of just there. It's, it's there. You know, you, people consider, you know, outcast, like, you know, Southern, but they kind of broke them. They broke several molds with their music, right? But, you know, and then you have like the trap artists and people, you, you either fuck them or you don't really. Um, and then there's in the middle, it's just like Memphis artists, you know, the Free Six Mafias, the Gangster Boos, and, you know, some uh, some from, like, uh, you know, uh, I mean, No Limit, stuff like that, yeah. right? Cash money. People too. fuck... People, people love Wayne, but they don't... I don't feel like most people actually get into No Limit like that unless they grew up with No Limit. Um, so, you know, the Southern landscape is always, I feel... Um, undercovered let's just say that you know um it's, it's it's covered in it's covered by less than reputable sources most of the time because i don't know like you know I don't, I, when was the last time for example like ebro like did an interview with a, with a southern artist that wasn't in the top 40 you know what i mean just, just you know they're not, they're not going to put people on like that um and you know that where the the when andre really said self has something to say that really means something in my mind because of that just lack of respect that i still feel like is given in some way um even though um i would make the argument that when i was listening to gangster booze music this this week um jesus christ there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of like what we what we yeah. what is popular now exactly is in her tunes and i'm sure will be in three six Matthews tunes when we spoiler alert get to it next week um so it's just fascinating right of how uh of how hip-hop has evolved in the past like 30-ish years sonically especially to listen to something like gangsta boo like i did this week like ben did this week and just see Oh wow, that sounds like this person from <laughs> right now. You know, what I mean, it's crazy. Um, it sounds like the entire landscape in some ways. Um, it sounds like trap music before trap music. In some t- sometimes I get that. I got that sometimes. It's really weird. Um, but yeah. Anyway, Gangsta Boot is our focus for this week. Um, overall, talk about Southern hip hop and uh, how we probably haven't really covered it as much in, the, in this in, on this show, especially um, out the way. Let's get to Gangsta Boo. Ben, what have you got for us? Yeah, I mean, Gangsta Boo was an icon, whether you're aware of that or not. You know, she rose to prominence via legendary, legendary Memphis group, 3-6 Mafia, and she popularized the classic Yeah Ho ad-lib that Juicy J uses so liberally. In fact, the sample is so popular, she actually told Album 22 that she gets paid when people use it in a popular song. So they're interpolating her. So, you know, and that's a very common ad-lib. Now, her hip-hop journey began at a super young age. She actually told Jimmy Ness back in 2012 she began rapping by writing poems to her dad. And poems, they would all link up and, like, form a cohesive narrative. Her dad saw this budding talent, and he started buying her keyboards and karaoke machines to foster it. Now, she told Drink Champs that she grew up with a solid family around her. Her parents were together. But because of how rough Memphis was, 
this influenced her heavily. Her mother and father were both Scorpios, she said, which she said made for some very interesting energy in the room. She told Jimmy Ness she felt like music was in her genetic code since her mother was a singer and her father was already in a group himself. Uh, and her start came super, super, super young in 3-6 Mafia. She met DJ Paul in junior high. He actually saw her rapping at the age of 14 in a talent show, and he actually reached out to her to get on his mixtape. Now, after doing a little bit of digging, the mixtape is For the Summer of 94 by DJ Paul. Gangsta Boo had her own solo song, I Chifa, and a feature with a couple of other local artists on Now I'm High Part 2. And DJ Paul put out a lot of these tapes. There are a lot of this music, and we'll talk about it next week um, in the 3-6 Mafia episode because these tapes were incredibly, they were pivotal to 3-6 Rise and 3-6 Getting Signed. Pivotal for Gangsta Boo because this, this appearance that she had on this mixtape was incredibly popular, and it was actually through pure word of mouth that Gangsta Boo found herself in a group. She told Jenny, Je, sorry, Jimmy Ness uh, people would hear her on that mixtape and actually request her to appear on 3-6 Mafia songs, so much so that Lord Infamous DJ Paul and Juicy J incorporated her, incorporated her into the group officially. <clears throat> and while there have been a lot of like members, in inverted commas, of 3-6 Mafia, there have only been a few official members, and Gangsta Boo was one of those official members. And she was a pivotal, pivotal Southern MC. Pivotal. She's one of the first female rappers to truly embrace the budding subgenre of gangster rap that had flourished on the East and West Coast throughout the late 1980s and into the start of the new decade. And you listen back to her solo work, you can hear that Memphis bounce and that flow at its absolute origin. She's credited as a writer, for example, in No Bystanders by Travis. Um, on that Moo track by Doja Cat, if you go through like Gangsta Boo's writing credits, and, and again, these are because she's been interpolated or because three six songs have been sampled, but she is on a lot of freaking songs because she was incredibly, incredibly influential. And as Charlie said, if you go back and listen to even her debut album, you're immediately going to recognize it. You're going to be like, oh, I, th- I feel like I've heard this album before. Because you have, for the last five years, a subsection of mainstream hip-hop has sounded exactly like Gangsta Boo and 3-6 Mafia. And again, as Charlie said, we don't do a lot of Southern artists on here. But I've been listening to Juicy J for like 15 years. And I've been saying to anyone who listened to me, he's one of the most influential people in hip-hop in general. Because the sound that they created and crafted in the mid-90s is just all across. Memphis is massive at the moment, and that is the Juicy J sound, the Gangsta Boo sound. Um, and so in 1995, 3-6 dropped their classic debut album, Mystic Styles, and Gangsta Boo referred to herself as the devil's daughter on that album. She was only like 15 when that album came out, 16. Now, she told Hip Hop Evolution when she was speaking about the album, she said... We had, we had the gangster mixed with the sinister, mixed with the Memphis sound. It was just like we meshed everything together. So obviously the South would birth some of the greatest female MCs in history, Missy Elliott, Trina, Rhapsody, DeBrat. It's often said that Gangsta Boo was the quintessential Southern female MC. In interviews, she's quick to give that title to Mia X. She is, you know, she is, I wouldn't say she was humble in those interviews, Um I'm not saying that she was like over braggadocious or overconfident or anything like that, but she talks a shit. If she feels like she deserves credit in those interviews, she she talks about it. So her saying that, you know, Mia X is the one that she thinks would, you know, deserves that title, that's a big thing. Um, Obviously, No Limit alumni who released her debut album in 95. But I think like with Gangsta Boo, 
Unlike Debrat, who was being molded by Jermaine Dupree in his weird little way over there, Gangsta Boo always sounded entirely comfortable in her sound. You know, she sounded like the music of 3-6 Mafia spoke to her. She embodied it. And Complex said Gangsta Boo was commanding and taking control of any track when she arrives when they talked about this debut album. Um, and as I say, she was just 15 when she recorded her v- vocals for Mystic Stars, which is freaking mind-blowing considering some of the content she's dropping on here. On the first three six albums, sorry, on the first three six al- three six album, on the very first one, Mystic Styles, she only and I think this statistic is really cool. I, I found this the other day, or I went and I didn't find it. I created it because I went through and we went through every fucking three Talk six. Your shit. I went through every three six mafia album and I Ben's counted. Ben's not humble. But... I'm not humble. How can I be humble? No one ever talks my shit for me. I go talk my own damn shit. <laughs> I'm the best in the world at what I do. So on the first album, Mystic Styles, she gets just 4.4% of the vocals, right? But the three subsequent albums after that, she delivers between 12 and 13% on every single record, which I think is completely indicative of Gangsta Boo. You know, she was formally added to the group because people were requesting her so much after that initial mixtape performance with DJ Paul. Now, after the first album, I would imagine the exact same thing was happening because every time she turns up on that album, she skates. She, she brings something different. She brings something exciting. You never know what she's going to say next. Um, and we obviously have to speak about her cadence on here because it's so unique and it's filtered through all three six mafia artists she told jimmy ness that she was writing for some of the rappers on that album she was actually writing for some of those rappers she doesn't name names of course but it's very striking listening back to her debut album and her work with three six mafia and literally hearing that memphis sound just straight across it it's, it's unbelievable and her flow has been replicated so many times, it's mind-boggling. She said this to Billboard, I would honestly say that I have to admit respectfully and humbly that I am the blueprint. I hear my cadence in a lot of male and female rappers. It's hard to lie to myself and say, oh, wow, she's from New York, but she raps like she's from Memphis. Oh, wow, this people is from wherever, but they rap like they're from Memphis. Because I'm not talking about anybody in particular, but my sound is a Memphis sound. It's a gangster boo sound. It's a 3-6 Mafia sound. So I'm the blueprint and I wear that badge, that badge proud as fuck. So it's, you know, it's hard to believe that by the time her debut album, Inquiring Minds, had dropped, she still hadn't turned 20, but that's where we're at. So yeah, debut album, Inquiring Minds. That's crazy. Um, I, feel to, I feel a certain type of way with this album. And um, I, the problem I have with it is that and I feel like this happens uh, for a few, I think, um, female artists. Um, you mentioned a brat, and I feel like that kind of th- this kind of thing happened to her in a different way, where we listen to Funkified, and while that's a classic, um, it's clear that Jermaine Dupri just had his hands all over that and kind of just molded her everything uh visually and aesthetically and you know just what she rapped on right and it was just trying to be female snoop dog right and by the time a few other projects came through we got to see de pratt more acting like de Brat, right and actually being herself um and not trying to be the male whatever now i won't say that for inquiring minds i do question why um, there is so much just of everybody else uh, at the top of this album. It's the Eve problem again. 
Eve, that's one. There you go. Good shout. No, I was trying to think of an example. I knew there was. I knew there was at least one. But yeah, it's 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 the Eve problem, right? You, I'm listening to this, and the first, let's say, twenty minutes, um, like up to maybe want to go to war, is just like, why am I just hearing everybody but Gangsta Boo here? Like the hooks don't have Gangsta Boo here. Um, and the majority of the and the majority of the 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 verses, I mean, she has like what it's like she's featuring on her own shit, and that just comes off as so weird to me. Like, imagine, imagine if like uh, a female is now. Like, imagine if like a uh, Flo Millie, for example, right? Um, imagine if like her, the first for the first twenty minutes of her latest album of her f- first album just has a bunch of dudes on the, t- on the top of it, right? Obviously, she ain't part of her own crew, da 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 da, da but I'm just saying, like, it just sat- it comes off as weird. Without context, this comes off as weird, right? I and even with context, thing. it's think, still... No, because I think, yeah. you know, even back then, like, if we look at Wu- Wu-Tang Clan or we look at, you know, Cash Money albums, they all were hopping on each other's tracks, and I don't right. necessarily see it as as bad as the Eve one because Eve was part of Rough Riders but she wasn't in a group yeah. They were, it wasn't a group they sure. put her on like it, I see this one a little bit differently I agree with what you're saying I really wish she was on more of it but I I don't know I could yeah. be wrong it could be the conversations they were having like oh she's a female MC we've got a, all males have to be on it because blah blah, blah. that could have been <laughs> that, the conversation that's, that's the case I'm making <laughs> yeah I don't know that's, and that could be and the I case and I could be wrong too that right? could be the case though but, yeah, but that's the conversation here, right? And um, you know, we can both be right or both be wrong, right? But just my steez when I was listening to it, it was just like, Oh, uh it won't it won't uh I don't know, it won't sell mm. this is all this is all you know, hypothesizing, right? But you know, this won't sell unless we have, you know, the rest of the three six mafia like on, on the album. And it's just, it, I don't know, just it's just it's it's a little just a bit disappointing, I guess, when listening to it without context. It's just like you, you I'm I'm very simple with it. If your name's on the project, I want to hear you. That's it, right? You're here to I'm I'm if even if in the what when did this drop? Ninety seven, right? Ninety eight, right? <laughs> if this drops in ninety eight, I'm copying the C D because it has Gangster Boo's name on it, right? And then you maybe look at the back and it's like, oh, DJ Paul, DJ, feature, 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 feature. And you're like, okay, right. Even better if you're a fan of those guys, right? More the merrier. Um, but, you know, for me, just no context and stuff like that. Um, it just comes off as a bit distasteful that I'm just listening to the first half, nearly half of this album. And Gangster Boo is just barely in it. Barely. Um, but with that said... Um, once it gets it, once it gets into once it gets more into the album, I mean, it's twenty one tracks for fuck's sake, and that just that just blows my mind. Um, but you know, once you get to the double digits in terms of track list, um, you get more of Gangsta Boo, and that's when um, I start seeing it. I'm starting to I'm starting to hear it. I'm starting to see the parallels from you know artists I like right now, and I'm just like, all oh, right, I see I see that right. I see I see this. I see that you start you start picking some stuff up um, in terms of just like you know the overall story of just what hip hop is. It's very fascinating. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's a, it, past all that. It is you know it is a solid album, right? 
kill, kill, kill. But <laughs> but it's just it's it's so fucking south. I fuck it. It's it's it does have its fun moments for sure. Um, but uh, it's the it's the next it's the next albums where I just uh, feel like this is what the first album should have been. You know what I mean? And I get that. It's it's literally the opposite of how most careers go, where I'm just like it get actually genuinely gets better as it goes for me. Um, but yeah, this is as starts go. Um, you know the fact that nearly half the album barely has her on it um, probably wouldn't have affected uh, the quote unquote sales of it either way. Um, but that's just that's just what I that's what I feel like. If you're the ice on the bill, then why why am I not hearing you? You know, for the first half of the album. Yeah, I mean that's I think that's fair, and I think. You know, as Charlie said, and as I said, we could be wrong in what we were thinking in the different directions, but it doesn't really matter whether we were right or wrong. It's what it sounds like in the end. And I agree. You know, I think anyone who was thinking that Gangster Boo couldn't carry a solo album by herself is batshit, to be honest, because <laughs> she does it like three more times after this perfectly. But oh. the album came out via DJ Paul's Hypnotic Minds, but it was also out under Relativity, which was the same label that released 36's third album, Chapter 2. Now, <coughs> some context on that. Excuse my coughing. I'm recovering from COVID. Um, relatively, Relativity had fallen on some hard times in the early 90s, and they'd actually sold 50% to Sony. So it's half an independent label, but half not independent. So the album only charted number 40 on the Billboard 200, and it was preceded by Where Them Dollars At, uh, Gangsta Boo's first ever single as a solo artist, a song that she has kind of seesawed between liking and disliking throughout her career. Uh, she told Jimmy Ness, it's the only song people recognize me for, it's just annoying, that's all. I work my ass off, it's not easy to write a fucking song, it's not easy to record them bitches either, it's not easy to come up with concepts, but I do all of that just like these men do, and I feel like I don't get the props I deserve, so I'm stuck with where them dollars at, as if I'm a one hit wonder, so it's a gift and a curse. It's a blessing to have such a strong impact song that people feel love for in 2012, back when she did the interview. I recorded that song in 97, you know what I'm saying, it's definitely a blessing for sure, but it's annoying because I work my ass off and I've got thousands of songs, it seems like I'm just recognized for that one. Um, look, I think this album is revolutionary, I think the beats are out of this world, produced entirely by Juicy J and DJ Paul, some of their absolute best work as a production duo starts with that beautiful cinematic intro and then this weird time signature on the title track before the fucking fire alarm of Don't Stand So Close. I think everything on here just slaps, man. It's the top-tier production with Gangsta Boo skating on it. You know, female MCs were all over the mainstream when this album dropped. Missy Kim, DeBrat, Mill, Foxy, salt and Pepper was still out there. Lauren Hill. It was the watershed era for female uh, rap, you know, and nothing was, no era since or before was anywhere near as populated with popping female rappers. This was the time when that one woman at the top thing was complete, it was proven to be completely wrong. And there were different subgenres that all of these artists were working in, but no one, no one sounded like Gangsta Boo. Like, literally no one sounded like Gangsta Boo. You know, I think that she was entirely unique in that sense as a female artist. Um, and, you know, I, I do do think that... I, I, do, I, do. I do think that even though Juicy J was on a lot of this, DJ Paul, they were on a lot of it, I, I felt like 
it yeah it felt different to me than the eve rough riders debut it just felt a little bit different um i wasn't against it it didn't i don't think it detracted i think it was an interesting touch point to have these artists and remind people that she was part of that you know three six mafia family if if it had continued throughout her whole career then i would feel completely different i would just be really really against it but yeah, yeah man so yeah like honestly it's a brilliant debut and it sounds fresh today that's the crazy thing i think if you'd never listened to this before you'd be forgiving for thinking this is like the latest offering from glorilla or juicy fruit because boo's energy on this is just like so similar to what's happening now in the mainstream um yeah man great 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 debut project yeah um and you know on top of that you know you know if the music's good the music's good but just um, I don't know. Optically, it comes off as weird. Yeah. Like if if they spread it out across the album, then you know I would have been thinking a bit different. But it's just the fact that it's like the first. It's yeah. so fucking top heavy. It's just, it's mad. Should have anyway. got, got logic to executive produce that. You know, like get logic. <laughs> get logic <laughs> in there. <laughs> get him to sort it <laughs> out. Get the goat in. Get the expert in. The, the, uh, how'd you like that peanuts album, by the way? <laughs> Wait, is that that's yeah. not logic, is it? Yeah, bitch. Is it? Got oh, you, bitch. You, you fucking, Got you, bitch. You nasty motherfucker. You nasty <laughs> motherfucker, Charlie. Fucking. So, big side note. That's nasty. Ben's been, Ben's that's been super flaming nasty. logic. Ben's been flaming logic for like the past week in several ways. <laughs> And the fact that I've been having opportunities to just introduce what did I say <laughs> logic even? into Ben's life in this in in response is fucking hilarious ah, to me. Dear, so I dear. told him that on the top of uh, on uh, uh, that GCJ uh, is he uh, the logic's executive producing GCJ's next album, which he I think dropped. Uh, I think he like uh, said on on a live a few days ago. Um, but <laughs> but also, also the fact that he dropped a beat tape. Under the day peanuts and uh the fact that Ben didn't know it, I was uh I was waiting for that moment. So that's that's uh, that's the inside that's the inside joke. Uh Ben Ben's been a bit of a logic hater in the past uh we can change and that it's moment been, was it's been longer than that. I've been I, uh, I mean it's been a couple couple of extra good years hating. now. If you guys could go extra back and strength find hating. there's yeah, yeah. a there's a lighter note somewhere where I'd lose my mind <laughs> at logic. Like start screaming on him. <laughs> <laughs> that was about the point when probably, I, I, I turned. Probably, probably. Um, on the on the um, on the uh, retrospective blacklist, uh, logic is. Oh yeah, no, it's a veto on that one. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the blacklist, um, so uh, don't don't be asking for that, guys. Um, but yeah, anyway, back to the back to the matter at hand. Uh, both worlds, Star sixty nine, which is a interesting title. Um, side note, another side note. Jesus Christ, these album covers. Jesus. So oh. 2000s. Yeah. So, so jarring. Anyway. Um, uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I, you know, I enjoy this album. Um, like I said, uh, on top, uh, on the, on the back of uh, the first album, uh, I just, you know, I feel like, you know, she's just, she's, she's here. She, you know what I mean? This is the, you know, this is me. I'm here. This is my album. Like, you know what I mean? And yes, of course, it does have. A bit of free six all over the spot, right? But it is sprinkled, and that's what I'm here for. You know, DJ Paul and Hard Not to, uh, Hard Not to Kill, Banger, uh, Don't Stand So Close, 2001, uh, which is basically just the same track in, uh, in a lot of ways. Um, but you know, can't complain. 
DJ Paul again, and I faked it last night. Very fun record, that one. Uh, Chop Shop, Project Pat, love that one. Uh, but yeah, man, it's, it's, it passed that, you know? Master in my face. Uh, love Don't Live, You Abandon Me. Love that sample to death. Love that entire track. Tunage, big tunage. Uh, can I Get Paid, <laughs> the stripper's anthem. Just... I uh, love these titles, great, wonderful, but yeah, um, it's a really good album, really fun album, um, you know, it's got that hardcore shit, it's got that fun shit, it's, you know, it, it it fits the concept that is going on in the really poorly made album cover in my mind, uh, you know, it's got the, it's got both worlds, right, it's got the, it's got the gangster shit, it's got the, uh, you know, I mean, it's got all that, it's got all of it, it literally covers both worlds very nicely, I'm here for it, um and yeah man it's just uh just some really good stuff uh all over the spot with some decent features and uh it warrants the upgrade in the uh in in a chart position that she got uh compared to her first album yeah i think so too you know i think this is a great i actually like, like the album covers you know it's just i i look i don't think the 2000s can do no wrong in my mind i don't think there's anyone or anything you even listen even <laughs> listening because I'm, I'm like videoing my vinyl i want to take some i want to post up all my vinyl like in a big thread on twitter at some point so we're kind of doing some staging and we were doing unfinished business by jay-z and the person who shall not be named and it's like literally the worst track masters beats you could ever imagine and I, I put it on and I thought I'm not and I started bumping my head. I'm like, this is still this is a banger. And my partner's like, this is not good. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I, the 2000s, I don't know what it is. I just everything for. The- hey man, we will have those. We will have, we will have those. Uh- those, those gilly pleasures <laughs> anyway both worlds both worlds uh it's you know it's great it, it did a lot better commercially number 29 on the billboard 200 actually came out via loud records this one steve rifkin uh spoke to vlad about signing three six mafia in the beginning and that he really only ever dealt with dj paul and juicy j through their hypnotized minds label so although this album did come out via sony it wasn't like steve rifkin was on the ground with gangsta boo like hashing out a business model for the record uh, same block was the promo single which kind of makes sense it has that perfect 3-6 cadence uh, i think it's a straight up banger the first major attempt though was love don't live which i don't think is a very great song uh, i think the sample is huge obviously they would have paid through the nose for the rights to that rose rice song but i think the criticism for this song has nothing to do with gangsta boo herself i think she's very adept on this track she rides the beat beautifully she manages to mold her very distinctive flow into it. And that's not a diff- not an easy thing to do. That's a very difficult thing to do. And lyrically, she's on point. I just don't think they did nearly enough with the sample to do her lyrics justice, especially in the early 2000s. You know, Neptunes were ascending, Just Blaze and Kanye were peaking. Um, a track like this felt like an LL Cool J cutoff uh, from one of his, you know, trash mid-90s projects. And that's, again, it's not a criticism of Gangsta Boo. It's just the production on that. Um, they had one more go. They dropped Can I Get Paid as the next single with Hard Not To Kill on the B side, but it didn't hit either. Now, Hard Not To Kill, now that is a freaking song. Like, to start the album off, oh, wow. Special, special, special. Um, uh, Surprisingly on this album, it's Master My Face that has the most uh, Spotify plays by far. It's the only track over 300,000 streams. It's sitting on 1.1 million. Uh, It's a banger, but I didn't think it was as good as Hard not to kill with that really haunting jay-z interpolation but yeah man i think it's a great album i I like it a lot more than a debut i think it encapsulates that memphis bounce perfectly there's no cutting corners or taking shortcuts 
There's no fawning attempts to create a pop rap album, even though the first single was clearly a play for radio. It's a pop album. It keeps the energy and essence of Gangsta Boo's early work with 3-6, and I like that. You know, they, they, I guess they could have attempted to put Gangsta Boo in the top 10 and really get her on radio and, and blow her up in that direction, but they never did that. They never attempted that. They just were like, you know what? Let's just keep it gritty. Let's keep it. 3-6 energy and that's what I love about this project yeah definitely um, and I feel like you know we just get uh, I feel like I said you know just more more of uh, that that pioneering attitude and that pioneering um, just essence that Gangsta has in Inquiring Minds to this soap opera um, I, <laughs> I move, move bitches low-key just a, a ludicrous like you know just a uh homage right like, uh, d- anybody else get that well let's do it. it's just it's, it's, she she obviously she reworded himself but it's basically Ludo, Ludo was on like, one a couple of three six tracks too like they were they were tapped in so yeah yeah so i i feel like there was some just like hat tipping with that track um and i'm here for it i'm here for it it's a banger on that one um you know uh i did the posted um posted at the bar um at the beginning of the ep, uh, it's one of my favorite tracks um, of uh, of, uh, over, of her overall discography. Um, love that one. Um, but yeah, I just really, I really enjoy this. I really enjoy this album. Um, it's probably my favorite out of the three. Um, How You Roll, posted, like I said, Jail Talk is very, very fun. Um, just with that little mini interlude in the, in the just before it, um, we're just getting a phone call from some uh, from a dude, and it's like, no, no, that's jail talk, that's jail talk, and then they literally explain in the episode, which is, you know, culturally very fascinating to learn about. Um, move, bitch, like I said, um, let's get high, down, chick, kill or be killed. Fuck, is that a war anthem? Fuck, that's a street war, go to fucking wars type shit. Love that shit. Kill or be killed, real in the battlefield. Fuck yes, it's tough. That's tough. That's tough. Um, weed and cocaine, just a literally a weed and cocaine hit. Uh, uh, I love uh, infatuation. Uh, well, it's called freeway on on this one, but it's called something different when I listen to it. Um, but freeway, infatuation, lust and love. Um, uh, second to last track. Really like that one. I like that. I like the interlude on top of it. Uh, just before as well. I really like that one. Little uh, kind of just like a. Uh, thug love thing going on there. Um, I'm here for it. I'm here for that kind of stuff. And we got that in the previous album as well, uh, which I neglected to mention. Uh, well, actually, in the first our first album as well. So, um, and that's and that's. Um, I feel like I don't know whether that's something that uh the female eyes feel like they have to do right, where they can't always be thug, uh, or they can't always be just like you know 100% gangster. They have to have like a love track in there just to. I don't know, <laughs> just to take take people off the off the scent. I guess, I, don't, I don't know what, how to word it, but uh, is I I I like the tracks regardless. Um, uh, you know, there might be nefarious reasons towards making them. Um, you could make that theory, but um, I choose not to on that front. Um, uh, but really enjoy it. So um, yeah, shout the three way and um, yeah, man, I just really like this album from uh, back to front. Um, it's 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 uh, it's, it's it's got the. Yeah, it's got it's got everything I'd go, I kind of uh I kind of wanted, I guess. Um while I was listening to these, um and just thinking, yeah, this is cool, but I'd like this as well, I guess, and uh, I want to see if she can do this and she ends up doing it. And I feel like her her performance definitely just gets better. 
and really peaks on this album for me. Um, just her flows just like are just so mm, just just that more crispy on this one for me personally. Um, that's a subjective opinion, but um, yeah, I I just I really I really like this album. Um, again, fuck's sake, the artwork is brilliant. <laughs> Is 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 do do artwork, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, the music's great. That's all the matters. That's all the matters, guys. <laughs> yeah, between these two albums, she actually left Three Six Mafia. So between second and third solo albums, uh, in two thousand one, she left the group pretty unceremoniously. She's obviously been asked ad nauseum about leaving and the tensions, and it's kind of difficult to pin down an answer. She told this to Jimmy Ness. I left the group on my own. They didn't even know I was going to leave the group, but that was over 10 years ago. I don't know why people still care about that. Now I'm with Drum Squad and I have a whole different team. I really don't understand why I still get the 3-6 Mafia questions 15 years later. I think it's kind of weird. Ness then asked if she still talks to the members. This is in 2012, remember? And she responded, um, yeah, I still talk to her. Uh, I haven't talked to, and he's talking, she's talking about the chat. I haven't talked to the other guys in a long time. DJ Paul, he works with Drummer Boy sometimes. You know, Juicy J, shout out to him. He's doing his thing with Taylor Gang. Me and Project Pat, we talk on Twitter every now and then. But other than that, I don't really have a reason to talk to them. If I had a reason, I would, but there's no reason. So obviously, obviously it's back in 2012 and things have changed since then. She told DJ Vlad in 2013 that part of the reason she left was a romantic entanglement with DJ Paul and vehement disagreements with Juicy J. She said, Juicy J don't fuck with me, so I don't fuck with him. And she also told Sway this. She said, I was trying to find myself spiritually, mentally, I was misguided. It wasn't nothing personal, it was a business decision. And Juicy J simply told Sway she left to go do her own thing. And DJ Paul said this in 2015 to Vlad, if something don't work between people 16 years ago, 16 years later, it really ain't gonna work. Everybody changed. If you don't see eye to eye about shit in your early 20s, when you're coming up on 40, it really ain't gonna happen. You'll get uptight for shit quicker than you did back in the day which is probably related more to a reunion than the initial breakup because, you know, Gangsta Boo was only 22 when it happened. It's not like she was coming up on 40 when they when the, the group broke up. But that's the spiritual angle, which is kind of similar, I think, to Malice leaving Clips. You know, upon leaving the group, she actually converted to Christianity and changed her name to Lady Boo. She told Jimmy Ness, I was just depressed being in the group. I just wasn't happy with things that were going on within my career that Paul and Juicy were handling. I got depressed and one of my friends was a pastor at the time. He started getting me involved in church and I started becoming religious. One thing led to another, but I kind of backed out of that a little bit. I don't consider myself religious. I consider myself spiritual. It was all part of my growing pains. Now, MTV actually published a press release at the time of her leaving and they focused heavily on her Christian conversion. DJ Paul said this in the in the actual article, she's gone Christian or something. She's been preaching and doing little seminars here and there. And she told MTV that she did change her name because of the stereotype that goes with gangster shit. Uh, sorry, gangster this, gangster that. I wasn't living the gangster lifestyle, so I wanted to lose the name. Everybody was telling me that it didn't fit me anyway. I was too young. I grew up and matured, so I decided to go with Lady Boo, since I say Lady Boo in my raps anyway. That was kind of my code name. Now, on her spiritual conversion, she said, Half of my family is saved, and I didn't even realize that. He just always had a calling on me, and I was kind of running from it, in and out of depression, and nobody was really around to take me away from that, so I would always end up praying to him. I guess my prayer got, sorry, I guess the stronger my prayer got, the more he was pulling on me. So, you know, this obviously references her previous album in the article because, you know, she left between the two albums, saying that this next album that she was going to drop, 
Oh, sorry. She said about her prior album, that's going to be the last crotch-grabbing thing I do. She said, I tone my image down a lot. I'm not cursing in my music anymore. So she went away and created her own record label, Crazy Lady, Crazy Lady Records, and got to work on this this solo album, the soap opera, um, which is not any of that. It's 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 literal gangster boot. It's you know it came out in 2003. So this was a very quick transition and a quick transition back for gangster boot in this period. Now it's a pretty fitting release for 2003. Um, hip-hop was a soap opera in the mainstream at this point you know dj paul and juicy j are entirely absent on this album we get a a lot of lesser known names trying to kind of recreate that three six sound um i was very curious about this album because obviously knowing that she had left three six mafia and knowing that dj paul and juicy j wouldn't be involved i was wondering if three six's sound was in her dna like maybe it would have been a debrat situation where she gets away from that and she just creates something completely different and completely out of the box because that was never her, you know? I forget which album we said Debrats was. It might have been a third album. We were like, this is the Debrat album. This is the actual Debrat album. But on this album from Gangsta Boo, she sounds literally the exact same. Like, this is her. This was always been her. She never changes it up. Even her most recent music, this is her. And that's what I love about it so much. Um... I thought it would be less enjoyable than it is. Uh, and I think that's a testament to Gangsta Boo. Yes, the beats are absolutely trying to recreate a sound and a moment in time. But Gangsta Boo is just so withering with her flow and her lyrics. You know, 3-6 is just running through her veins any song she's on, regardless of the production. She sounds imperious and entirely unique. And that's the case for this record. It's, you know, and this is a weird comparison to make, but um, we've been re-watching Ted Lasso recently. And I, I say that, Ted Lasso is one of my favorite ever written characters because I just want to see him in weird situations and see what he does because he you know, he pulls it off every single time. Ted Lasso in Breaking Bad. Yeah, I mean, I just want to see it. I, I think that's cool. And Gangster Boo is like that. And I feel that about uh, kind of pivotal MCs where I really want to see them on any type of beat because I really, and this is, this is how I felt when I first listened to Jay-Z. I was like, I want to hear him on every type of beat. I want to hear what he does to it. And that's how I feel about Gangsta Boo. I was like, I want to hear how she finds a pocket. Like, where's the pocket on this beat that she's going to find? And she does it every time, and it is, it's freaking amazing. So, yeah, I mean, those were her her three albums. Then she went on a bit of a hiatus. Uh, it wasn't until the late 2000s that she started to resurface. She told Jimmy Ness, I just had to chill. Um, I had to be a daughter. I had to be a sister. I had to be an auntie. The rap game wasn't really doing it for me at the time, so I decided around be, to be around my family more. Why indulge a business that's not indulging me back? In a Billboard interview from August 2022, she said the best advice she could give younger artists trying to navigate the industry is to take your time, be different, and be original. Don't burn yourself out and don't let people play you. I'd say don't get lost in the source. So, you know, that was the thing. Like, she, she took a step back. And the time away from music was not without incident. In 2009, she was actually accused of armed robbery in Mississippi. However, the charges were dropped, and she said it was a former associate trying to set her up. She told Jimmy Ness, I knew him, I th- and, and he thought I had snitched on him. So in return, to get me in trouble and embarrass me, he told some people I was with him. Of course, it was not proven, and of course, it got dropped and expunged off my record. Right now, he's sitting in jail doing 20 years for the crime he committed that he said I did with him. It was just a situation where I got caught up in some bullshit. 
So then Gangster Boo decided to attack Sean, which was kind of out of left field, but they papped that, patched that up really quickly. Then, of course, Lord Infamous passed away in 2013, which left a huge hole in the 3-6 Mafia family. And Gangster Boo told Billboard, Lord was my brother. Lord was one of the originators of 3-6 Mafia. If I'm not mistaken, he came up with the name 3-6 Mafia with Paul. I remember I used to rap on his answering machines from his house phone when I was younger and get him to tell Paul about how good I was. So if it wasn't for him, I probably would not have even been able to be in the group. And for two, he was also the one that helped put the group back together when we were able to tour as the Mafia Six. When Juicy wasn't around, it was the Mafia Six. It was me, Paul, Law, Infamous, uh, Crunchy Black. There's a couple of others in there as well. Um, Lord Infamous made that happen. So that's my fondest memory of him being able to complete a Mafia Six project with him. So yeah, it was really interesting that she did pop back out around 2000 because she did that interview with Jimmy Ness in 2012. She did quite a few interviews in 2012 2013 and she popped back out with this freaking fire ep with the chat in 2014 called witch which is i didn't even i was not even aware of it and then i was going through spotify and i'm like wait what's this this ep with the chat and i thought it might be one of those stupid unofficial spotify mixes things that people upload but fire fire gangster boo and the very close affiliate of 36 the chat um they dropped this project and the chat in 2012 said about Gangsta Boo, that's my home goal. Regardless of the rumors that everybody's trying to put out, we're so much alike and so much different that put together we're the same, which I find really interesting. When she comes to see me, she stays at my house. This is when I come to Atlanta. I stay at her house. And she told This Is 50 Gangsta Boo back in 2014 that they dropped the tape together and actually planned a mixtape with DJ Scream, also entitled Witch, which was a deluxe edition for people who didn't want to pay for the, the Witch album. Um, and she said, La Chat is that bitch. Our single was produced by DJ Paul. We've been working. And it's great. It's so good. It's like amazing hearing them together. La Chat, the Chat's voice is much lower. Like she's like more gravelly even than Gangsta Boo. It's, it's fire. The production is fire. There's one track on there I don't like. I'm trying to f- figure out which one it is. I can't remember off, off the top of my head, but everything else on there i think is is brilliant it's menacing it's aggressive it's powerful it's it's a it's a great project did you end up listening to it yeah 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 i listened to it solid um yeah really good stuff on there um i like the chemistry back and forth yeah i like it freaky girls freaky girls with jelly rolls are one i i was just like nah this this one (laughs) this one's not it sure i can see that frenemies frenemies is great the hooks on here can't sit with this sweet robbery some to do uh, the, the hooks on here are something to the, do yeah. the start witch brew as well which is a great start mm. to the album man it's just fire mm. yeah, yeah it's fire good. fire fire tape and then you know since then Gangsta Boo was working she'd been working she was really starting to reintegrate into the Memphis scene she gave huge cosigns to female MCs like Gorilla and Lado uh, she worked with Juke Juice Young and May she teamed up with Beat King for a couple of not great mixtapes they were very similar to Meth Lab projects where she was putting on <laughs> I mean she was putting on some underground artists and it just it didn't work I love how know. that's a thing now just Meth Lab projects yeah Meth Lab projects but yeah it's no they weren't <laughs> they weren't great they weren't great but the thing with Gangsta Boo is and I, I assume this will happen now sadly um, people are starting to realise that she is one of the most influential MCs in of all time and and her sound and her cadence is running through a lot of mainstream music especially in memphis right now and that's not to criticize memphis and say they're not original it's just saying that memphis has an incredibly strong dna 
and you can hear it at some of its earliest examples in Gangsta Boo's music. And her passing is is tragically young. She was 43 years old, uh, and she was experiencing a renaissance in her career and starting to team up with some new artists and and creating brilliant music like when you hear on these tracks it's just like wow she fits perfectly and i personally think she would have seamlessly reintegrated back into the mainstream maybe not as dropping her own albums and like charting but i definitely could see her popping up on a bunch of albums a bunch of tracks as a feature and just skating and really showing the people her influence her pedigree where she came from where this sound is coming from and right as it was about to begin she passed away and i think that that is you know it's terribly sad that she passed away at all but it's terribly sad because i I think that this would have been the time for gangster boo when she would receive her flowers and everyone deserves to receive their flowers while they're alive they really fucking do and she's going to receive them now. Hopefully, people are going to start realizing the influence that she had. It's just really sad that she's not around to see it. And Gangsta Boo, in her interviews, has been vocal in not saying that she wants that credit, but giving that credit to herself. Let's put it that way. She's not out there. She wasn't out there being bitter and saying people need to recognize and people aren't. She was just saying, I know who I am. I know the influence I've had. And I'm comfortable in that. And I wish other people would know too. And you know uh, it's just it's just it's a very sad situation but yeah man one of the best discographies that i think we've done on these episodes i i think that it's a pretty flawless discography to be honest yeah it's very underrated um for sure um i feel you know i encourage everybody to you know give them a spin for yourselves um you know when you were talking about that in terms of like getting flowers i was like thinking of like when uh, of when uh, Rhapsody put uh, Queen of Teeth on. Yeah, on the I was East thinking project. the same thing. Yeah, I was, yeah, it's just things like that. Yeah. I feel could have easily happened um, within a couple of years, um, and would have been very cool to to see. And um, as a as another side note, I think uh, we, while you were talking, talking about how you know she wasn't, uh, she kind of just went out of the industry because you know she wasn't in demand in that front you know it's kind of interesting thinking about that overall uh, as to you know you have to that's why that's why people a lot of people say you know you have to love it to you know if, if if you have to have a love for it right because if you don't become you know some of the one of the hottest right you and you're not in demand then what what's the, what's there's a void there right and you have to fill that with something um you know people on the flip side there could be people that are in demand and you know they're not really that bothered but you know they do it anyway because of whatever but um and you know, those are those, those are lucky people that uh get to do things that um they don't exactly like you know love too hard but you know it gives them money so why not but uh you know sh- i you know, she clearly loved the game on that front, on the on the artistic front, and enjoyed rapping and enjoyed having that influence, especially. And uh, you know, she got some respect on that front uh, from the eyes that you mentioned. Um, but yeah, I feel like you know there could have been um, a lot more, and she didn't have to. And you know, that's that's kind of always the thing about humanity, right? Where 
uh, there's, there's so many people in the world, right? <laughs> and there's so many people that uh, so many people that are dead and are still celebrated. But then you know there's people that you know are probably remembered by one person, and uh, you know, and there's always a lot of people in between. Um, but you know, not everybody's going to be um, not everybody's going to be given uh, the correct amount of flowers, whatever that number is to you. Um, and we can firmly say that Gangster Food didn't get enough. She got some, but she didn't get enough. And, uh, you know, it's always ironic that through death, the people get their flowers in some fashion. Um, but even with that said, bro, it's been, you know, we're recording this, what, the 9th? Uh, yeah, the 9th, 9th, of, uh, 9th of January. Um, you know, I feel, <laughs> I feel like, uh, people just, um, you know, continued moving, um, already. Um, and, uh, you know, what, what you, you, pe- you know, title can pop a, pop a little, like, um, you know, Gangster Boo playlist on, on the homepage for a, for a week or so, but mm, I don't know, but, um, you know, I, I'm sure that everybody Memphis based in the Memphis rap scene, um, will keep her name, uh, guaranteed and, uh, uh, that, that's all that matters. And, um, is always, always highlights, again, highlights the importance of, certain you know communities and some certain scenes because you know can't rely on mainstream hip-hop publications and mainstream you know hip-hop anything to keep account of everybody unless you're maybe the hip-hop museum which i hope which i hopefully are doing their job on that front Uh, i think that's coming i think i think they're i think they're coming out next year or something like that um but yeah you know past that i don't know it's not it's, ne- it's never universal um on account so uh yeah man rp gang sabu i'm glad we did this episode though um obviously it could have been in better circumstances but um respect to her history um of course and definitely just for the amount of uh influence uh she's clearly uh she's clearly deserving of yeah agree rest, rest in peace gangsta boo and with that said, uh, which I'll be into um, a lighter note. Um, so, logic. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> uh, so, I finally switched up my... Uh, I think I had like a rant like probably about a month ago about my earphones. Um, oh, yes. The earphone, the earphone rant. I'll, I'll never forget the ears, it. The top, rant. top five no, because, Charlie rant because he just no, because oh, he, he dropped. He lost his own earbuds and then got angry at the earbuds that he lost his own. <laughs> I was like, "This not the no, earbuds." No, I lost fault. the case. I lost a case. I didn't oh, lose the earbuds. It wasn't even the earbuds. It was a case. Oh my days! I've got one right here. Ben, Look, Charlie. Point. It's fine. It's fine. That's the point. I shouldn't lose the case and be unable to use my fucking earphones. That's my point. That was it. Okay? If I lose the case and I still have my earphones, I should still have a way of using my earphones. Am I a dickhead? No. I feel like that's a worthy rant. Okay? But anyway, I'm past that now. I'm new year, new me. Right? So, <laughs> so I got some new earphones and they are wired and they're able to do high-res audio. Um, Ooh, which good. is guessed for me personally. I've got a mini deck as well. Um, I don't have it on me, but yeah, it's a mini deck. It's like the size of a coin and uh, with a little cable on it. And um, yeah, it's cool. I, uh, I also um, switched. Uh, I mean, I've half switched from like Spotify to Tidal now. Ooh, um, big call. Yes. That's the, that, that, see, I buried the leads. 
but you try to get me on my fucking horse again, like ran in about fucking earphone cases, right? But here's the lead. I'm burying the lead, but here's the lead. <coughs> I switched from Spotify to Tidal. I still have both on my phone, um, and I'm trying to gauge how much discrepancies there are between the both between the two because there are like two. There are a few discrepancies. I'm kind of like finding out as I go. Um, you know, I, obviously Tidal has the better, you know, sound and stuff like that. And that's, you know, that and we all know that. But even when I'm like going through, I, I, I moved my, I use like a little software to like uh, move my, you know, favorite artists um, to just a, my Tidal account, right? And I was going through them all. I was just like double checking, you know, some of them didn't do it, but, you know, some of them did, whatever. And I was going through them and I was just like, why are there so many discrepancies? Like, there was a few songs that Tidal doesn't have, you know, each to their own, whatever, right? Not every, not every, this is the thing. No streaming service is perfect. Um, That's kind of what I'm getting at, right? That's kind of the overall arc of this. But even when I was, like, looking through artists that I haven't spun um, and I'm following, I'm just questioning, so why didn't I get hit? Why didn't I get a notification from Spotify that these people dropped? Right, so I'm looking at like a uh, Juju Rogers, for example. I'm gonna try and listen to these people um in the next week or so because I, you know, I followed them for a reason, right? <laughs> I want to listen to their shit, and they actually dropped some work um between you know an EP, an album for a couple of them. So I want to give them a spin, but Spotify didn't give me a notification on it, and that just, I just, that's really, I feel, it feels like a really simple thing. If I follow an artist and they drop something and their names on it tell me that they dropped but they didn't for some reason so spotify clearly has a i don't know if it's an i don't know if i want to put my tinfoil hat on and say it's like there's an there's a there's a thing going on there but there's a backdoor thing going on there i don't know but it's clearly uh, it's clearly not perfect in terms of giving me notifications and that's kind of just a bit weak on that front to not if i follow an artist give me a notification it's literally that simple um i don't do coding but it seems like an easy thing to code right um but then when I'm on Tidal, um, you know, there's there's a cu- there's a couple of discrepancies there where, and this is and this comes to down to also artists as well. Some artists are just not on Tidal. Their music might be on it for whatever reason, um, but their profiles aren't. They're, they're not tailored. They're not. They're not. Um. They 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 haven't really. It doesn't look like it's been touched, right? Their music's on there, but it doesn't look like it's been touched, right? Backward Sweetie's on here. Um, but I don't know if she actually like um touches it up as much as she does with her Spotify, for example. Um, you know, not assuming she does it or not, I don't know. But I'm just throwing that example because obviously she's underground. She's uh, you know, she's not mainstream on that front, but still there. But you know, I'm looking at um KZ for example, right? I saw I I follow her. Her shit's on Tidal, but I didn't get a notification on Spotify. So that's just like, why didn't I get that? Um, so I kind of have to go backwards. There's an album by Sule called Untold Story, and that dropped in 2021, but it's on Tidal for 2022. So is that an artist thing or a Tidal thing? I don't know. Um, I would lean towards more of an artist thing, and I feel like that's kind of where where the crux of this all happens. I don't think every artist actually takes account of every single uh, streaming platform, and how could you? Right, how could you? Because there, there are so fucking many. You know, there is not just um, (laughs) there's so many to account for. Then you know, I'm not surprised, right? That you can't, uh, you're not going to account for Tidal, Spotify, Apple Music, 
Deezer, whatever other fucking uh, <laughs> streaming platforms there are, because there are a lot of regional ones that people aren't aware about. There's regional ones in Africa, there's regional ones in Asia, and fuck all that. You know what I mean? Just, that's, that's, that's long. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know the ins and outs of, you know, how I uh, put their shit on. Um, I'm sure there's probably a software that they all, that they all use. Um, but uh, regardless of that, there's a lot of discrepancies between each streaming platform. And I find that a bit weird and a bit s- not silly, but I don't know. I, I, I think I'm just being a bit... Um, uh, hoity-toity as a as a consumer of such things, but um, yeah, man, there's there's a there's a lot there's a lot of like small things that are kind of just irking me about each now. <laughs> it's not that like, oh, Spotify's trash. Oh my gosh, it's, it's not. It's not even that. Like Spotify have good things, Tidal has some good things, and but then but both of them are not perfect. And I'm kind of just like, I can't. I kind of just want to like call to action here, like you know, just I don't know, just do science because uh I don't, and, and you know that that's and on top of that obviously ice don't um clearly don't um account for everything um which you know by all means go for it but you know even but even with like you know podcast for example you know we're on we're on at least more than 10 uh platforms that i'm aware of um and i go onto them now and again and they all look the same so <laughs> why why am i seeing an album that dropped in 2021 and it says on titles dropped in 2022 that's just a little that's just a little uh negligent um i don't know who on whose front but it's still a bit negligent so uh yeah but you know yeah i've, I've moved to title and um i see i see the lead not buried anymore but um uh, overall, in terms of just listening to music, I'm enjoying listening to music. But um, a oh, kind of like minor. You fucking you hove. Okay. Hove, <laughs> hove, 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 hove. Back to hove. Don't 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 give me that. Don't 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 act like I'm going to. I'm I'm like you know just sucking on the tip. Next thing, like, Charlie. This is next for Charlie. He's just gonna pop out and pick up best of both worlds on cassette. He's gonna do some wild kid hell. Bro, you got been that, bro. <laughs> that's a weird. That's that's some weird memorabilia right there, bro. <laughs> it's right next to me too. I've always keep it on that's my desk with me as a reminder. Never trust your idols. Never trust your Never idols. Trust your... <laughs> Never trust your idols. And as another lighter note, um, I feel I I said to Ben a, a news resolution I made for myself is go abroad, and I'm kind I'm not gonna hold myself to that. If I do, that'll be great, but I'm not gonna hold myself to it. But something I really want to do is just like quality of a quantity as much as i can now so i'm gonna try and like not listen to as much music as i did last year or the years before where i'm listening to like hundreds of records you know from is that i i i I know of and you know i liked a project from them like a few years ago but you know they've kind of been a bit mid since so i'm gonna try and wean myself off from a few releases this year um and if i if i don't actually like love the artist i don't really feel like there's any point i'm still going to try and discover you know some new shit of course if i haven't heard their names and you know if I, if they're worth a spin if ben throws me onto somebody i'm going to give it a spin you know for the people i trust if if they lash me something i'm going to give them a spin but you know if there's like oh, i don't want to name an artist but yeah if, if there's like an artist that i'm aware of and 
you know, and I'm just, I just don't really, I I don't I don't think they're gonna be dropping project of the year or anything. Then I might skip it. You know what I mean? So and uh, use my time elsewhere. Um, I'm gonna try and watch more things this year. Um, I've literally started a list for myself of stuff I've watched. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna move myself over from music to other things and uh, just uh, enrich my life in a little bit of a different way. So yeah, that well, was fun. That was fun. But the other thing is that we have not recorded since December 24, which was the day. Tory Lanes was hey! guilty. Deuces, deuces, peace, daystar, deuces, daystar, hashtag deuces, daystar. Out you pop. Get fucked. Off you go. Get fucking fucked. Off you go. Yeah, man. Like In that was bin. what a day that was. Just like there was the a couple fact of people. That ha- the fact that it had to, it got the fact that the whole thing just like <clears throat> open and shut. Like got it was so, so open long. and shut. It was so unnecessary. <sighs> And they so. released the t- and bro. The fact is, the fact that when when they when whoever I, I assume the courts right when they released the tape of um, Tory like I think like the day after or the night or the night during um after it was when incident. he was in prison yeah he he yeah, when he got, yeah, he got he arrested prison, right. yeah 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 called up the third called up the third girl and was like um you know just basically Second just. Girl. You know, just admitting the whole thing legally, right? Going like, you know, I didn't mean to do it, like that. It's just like, oh, bro, what did the case end right there? Because I hope it fucking did. <laughs> but this was the thing, but bro. But the thing is, bro, the weird, th- the weird thing, and I feel like you're gonna say the same thing I'm gonna say. Probably. People are still caping for Tory Lanes. Uh, what are you guys doing? There's no cure Why are you for dying stupidity, on this hill? Why are you dying on this really, really small five foot two hill? Ah, <laughs> uh, you got that. You got that. That was a good. One. That was a good. One. Why are you Why are you standing on this fucking small last hill? Seriously, like, come the on, guys, move this, on. There the are bigger craziest, things in the world. The craziest thing about this whole thing was the misinformation and the lies that were just being circulated. I mean, people are still parroting those lies back to me. They're saying Tory, like his DNA was never found on the gun. So how could he be? How could he be guilty? I'm like, no, his fingerprints weren't found on the magazine, and the expert came in and said that the DNA evidence was inconclusive. But I say to them, they literally found gunshot residue on him, and they're like, oh, I didn't know about that. And then they say that you know Kelsey, <laughs> they they're like, but the eyewitness said that Kelsey was the one. And like, did you even listen to the eyewitness's statement? The eyewitness said they saw a couple of flashes coming from the girls. Apparently, Kelsey and Megan were together at one point as they got out of the car. Then he explicitly says, and this is a complete, again, this is an open and shut case. This is a completely objective, no horse in the race whatsoever, random bystander said, then I saw the little guy shoot four or five times at the woman who was walking away. It's open and shut. Kelsey texted Megan's bodyguard five minutes after the shooting and said, help, Tory shot Megan. It's com- it was an open and shut case. And if you watched it and you read the, the articles, Tory didn't even get up on the stand in his own defense. He didn't even testify on behalf of himself. His driver didn't testify for him either. Like, it's open and shut. And, you know, it's, it's a really, really sad indictment on just firstly on media the discussion around it has been horrific, like truly disgusting lies, misprints, you know, just straight up fabrications. And I I sent Charlie something yesterday 
Uh, I'm not going to blow them up, but and it wasn't related to the Tory thing. And Charlie just said hype beasts, and my reply was like liars, liars. They lie to create hype, and then they apologize for it afterwards. And the apology tweet gets just as many likes as the original tweet, and they're good. They've just gotten their two million engagement for the week. They're they're, they're sweet, and it, it's just sad. And I, I'm really glad justice has finally been done. Um, I followed the case incredibly closely. Uh, I followed every single day. I read all the threads from all the lawyers, the lawyers who were actually in the courtroom and who were like just literally, they weren't taken aside. They were just saying, this is literally what happened today. And if you read that, there's no way you could think that that man was innocent of that, of that. Like it, it hit three eyewitnesses, gunshot residue on him. His jail call to Kelsey, like it's it's game over for him, and you know it's just very sad that there are people still out there attacking. It's definitely died down significantly, um, and this is not a moment again. This is not an "I told you so" moment because at no point did I ever take the side of well, I, I, he must be guilty. How could you know until we get to the court of law? But you've got to support a woman coming forward and telling her story. You have to support her and give her every opportunity to tell that story and to be heard in a court of law. And even then, there are, there are many problems with that as well. You know, It doesn't always work out that way. But under these circumstances, how could you know unless you were there? And then now the people who were there told us what happened and he was convicted based on those retellings. It's just as I texted Charlie literally the day it started and they were just like, yeah, Kelsey's going to testify that Tori shot Megan. And I just texted Charlie. I'm like, this is an open and shut case. This shit's going to be done in like a week and a half. It's this game over. And that's exactly what happened. So um, I'm, I'm glad that the saga's over. I feel horrible for Megan. Horrible for Megan. Just what she's had to go through and what she still is going through at the moment. People saying that she's still lying, that she set Tori up, that Jay-Z had something to do with it, that Rock Nation did it, like all these conspiracy theories. Oh, boy. It's just... Uh, and it's been nasty. You know, you've seen... I've seen people that I really like and respect be really irrational against her on this and it's actually i've unfollowed people i've stopped talking to people who i was close with it really exposed some people this man versus woman thing that they're on that type of time i i don't get that that's the most ridiculous thing it's should never be at any point in human history a man versus woman thing but the fact that it's 2023 and it's still happening is just really depressing and really sad um but yeah, man, it's it's done. The case is done. Well, yeah, that's why. Um, you know, that kind of harks back to um, what I said in my uh, the essay I dropped at the start of the year. Um, you know, if a, if a woman, uh, in hip hop especially, um, you know, if they say something that doesn't seem that that, that affects the status quo of whatever, um, you know, they're bitch liars, right? They're, they're you know, it's, it's and they you know proceed to get blackballed or just like ridiculed constantly and uh you know told their told their realities wrong right and you know it's just um it's it's sad right that we can't collectively just um improve on that and see it um 
and see it for what it is, right? And uh, you know, just get so selective of it. Like, do you guys, you guys really like Tory Lanez that much? Yeah, uh, it doesn't. I don't think it's even that, bro. And that's what I think you know, is that's, sad. That's, that's, that's the answer. That's the you, answer. They don't. They yeah. don't. They don't like Tory Lanez that hard. Like nobody. I've exactly. I've never met go. I've met, I've never met anyone going like just bumping Tory Lanez twenty four fucking seven. Right until recently, it's just it just, it's so coincidental that everyone's a Tory Lanez fan. Every all of a sudden, it just doesn't it doesn't vibe with me. And that's and that's where like the that's where the red flags come out. It's just like oh ding 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 ding, you're only interested because you just don't feel like Megan should have a voice because so, she's a woman. That's literally it, right? <laughs> it's 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 so it's so fucking obvious. It's it's, it's like the red flags just come out. So fucking easy. No matter how they word it, it's so it's 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 getting way too easy to clock these people, man. It's getting way too cl- easy to clock. It's, it's so, similar. Yeah, shout, shout, shout out to Andrew Tate getting arrested as well, by the way. Yeah, that was hilarious, bro. But it's similar to look. I said tweeted this out the other day with the Australia Day thing. I said there's literally no defense for Australia Day to be on the day that the British invaded and colonized this country. There's no. There's no argument for it. There's no valid argument. And if you are arguing that point, you're just opening yourself up as, as a bigot. It's very obvious. It's just like, it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter how you say it. It's the same with if you're defending Tory. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter how you say it. You're opening yourself up to show that you are just a misogynist and you refuse to believe a woman who has now been proven right in a court of law. So anyway, is what but it that is. said... With that said, ladies and gentlemen, we shall leave it there. From the Fifth M Podcast Network, it's been Diggy Digits. Hope you've enjoyed the episode. I'm Charlie Zia, Fifth M. In Men Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. We hope you all have a good week. We shall always, always try and do the same. 3-6 Matthew next week. Fun till next time. Take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. All right, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show was edited by me. Music for this show is a piece of video games by bonus points. Thanks to Chill Music for the bit's use. Socials with the film here but by numbers. Bonus points and Chill Music will be in the full show notes as well as names of projects reviewed wherever you're listening. This has been a film podcast of production. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time on Digging in Digits.